0: Here's Dr. Michael Yusuf with a challenge before a very special Leading the Way.
1: Hello, friends. Michael Yusuf here. And I have a burden on my heart about this pandemic, about the conditions that we are seeing globally. And I'm seeing so many parallels in the Scripture that it is so uncanny. And we must learn from the Word of God. Paul tells the Corinthians that all that is written in the Old Testament is for our warning, for our edification, for our instruction. And he uses the example of the people of Israel's disobedience to God, and they ended up dying in the desert of Sinai. And so we need to take warning. And the warning I have here for our time, which is very similar situation to the prophet Joel. During the time of the prophet Joel, there was an invasion but it wasn't an invasion of a tiny virus that you can't even see with your eye. But it was an invasion of locusts. And that invasion has literally destroyed the economy of that part of the world. So what does the prophet Joel say to the people? And what do we say to others around us, particularly believing and non-believing world? We need to go back to the Word of God. And he says, look, this army of locusts that are destroying us and destroying our economy is a warning from God. It should be a dress rehearsal. It should be a preparation for the big day of judgment. And that's what we need to look at our condition today globally as a warning from God and as dress rehearsal as a preparation for the day of judgment. So what did he say to them? He said, look, what you need to do is not to rent your garment, because in the old days they would rip their clothes, and tearing of the fabric is an example or illustration, really, of the tearing of the heart. He said, don't go through the outward motion of just tearing your clothes. Tear the idols out of your heart. That's what you're supposed to do when you are being warned by God. You need to go to God and say, Lord, and I'm doing this myself, what idols that have crept into my life that have deprived me of fellowship with you and intimacy with you? What sins that are even subtle and maybe I'm not even aware of? David prayed, he said, from the sin that, of which I'm unaware, help me to discover. And so that's what we must do. First of all, say, God, I want to tear idols of my life. That's what he said here. He said, rent your hearts, not your garments. Remove the idols from your life. That is the first thing to do because our God is a God that is worshipped in spirit and in truth. And then he said, the second thing you're supposed to do is to lead others to worship the living God. Be a witness to those around you. Warn them. Say, hey, this is bad, but this is nothing in comparison to how dreadful the day of the Lord of judgment is going to be. And you can escape that. You can escape the day of judgment. I often say, is the day of the Lord when it comes and it looks like sooner than we think, is it going to be like a thief in the night or is it going to be like a woman in childbirth? And the scripture tells us that. For the believer, is like a woman in childbirth that is looking forward to it with anticipation, with joy. Yes, there are some pain, but then on the other side of that, there is the birth of a baby. And so for the believer, the day of the Lord is a day of joy. It's like birth pains. But then for the non-believer, it's like a thief who comes in the middle of the night, as they do in the Middle East. They rummage at night. In fact, during those days especially, they come and steal during the night while people are asleep. And the th- coming of the Lord is going to be like surprise to those. So warn them. Tell them to escape the judgment while they can. I pray to God that you will take this message of the prophet Joel chapter 2 to heart. Tear the idols. Warn others so they can come and worship the living God with you. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as the only Savior and Lord, for He is our only hope.
0: Have you ever felt like your life was unraveling? Maybe through this COVID season, things you thought were solid and reliable proved not to be so solid or reliable. Well, today on Leading the Way, Dr. Michael Yusuf shows how David responded as he watched his world crumble you'll be encouraged by the very personal and spirit-filled words uttered by David in this powerful book of the Psalms listen now as Dr Yusuf shares words from Psalm 28 on leading the way
1: and Psalm 28 this prayer is really a song if you look at it in the Hebrew language and how it's designed and it is really a song and has three stanzas in it the first stanza is verses 1 to 2. David is placing a confident request. The second stanza is found in verses 3 to 5, and there he presents to the Lord a reasoned request. And thirdly, you find here that David in the third stanza, verses 6 to 9, a cause for rejoicing. You ready? Let's go through them. The first stanza, in which he presents a confident request. Now, don't miss this important part about his confidence. He comes confident to God. Where does his confidence come from? The rightness of his cause? No, it's very right. Nobody can argue with that. Is he saying, God, look what I've done for you and you owe me something that is self-righteousness. No, that's not what he does. But his confidence comes from knowing who God is. He says, "To you, I call O Lord my what? Rock. That's who He is. So let me ask you, do you know why the Bible refers to God, and later on the Lord Jesus as the rock? It's because A rock is a symbol of changelessness. A rock is a symbol of the immutability of God. A rock is a symbol of the permanence of God. A rock is a symbol of the invincibility of God. A rock is a symbol of the immovability of God. Listen to me. No one can call themselves the rock except the Lord Jesus. Amen? But there's something else here that I don't want you to miss. This is the amazing contrast that you find in this psalm. <laughs> I want to explain that to you. David and his world are falling apart, but God is what? David's world is crumbling, but the Lord is what? David's world was sliding. In fact, his throne is sliding from under him, but God is the what? David's power, that at once seemed to be invincible and was victorious over all his enemies, all of them. But now he's on the run, but God is what? David's security is melting before his eyes, but God is what? David's subjects. They turned on him, even some of his friends. But God is what? Let me ask you this. Have you been there? Have you been there? Well, some of you may be there now, going through it now. So I want you to listen very carefully, please. When everything seems to be going great, and everything in life seems to be humming just as it should be, all of a sudden, everything begin to fall apart. All of a sudden, the company that you are counting on, it goes belly up. The business deal that you have been working for falls apart. The marriage that looked solid, the health that you are proud of, all of a sudden, your world begins to fall apart. Do what David did. Do what David did. Go to the only one who's unchangeable. Go to the only one whose love for you does not ebb and flow. Go to the only one whose stability toward you is unquestionable. Let me ask you another question. When your world seems to be collapsing in front of you, do you go to God or do you blame God? I've been around long enough as if the first thing people do is blame God. (laughs) When you are betrayed by someone that you thought was near and dear to you, to whom do you go? Do you become angry with God for that betrayal, which he has nothing to do with it? (laughs) When you find yourself in trouble because some of your own choices, some of your own wrong choices, do you cry to the Rock of Ages, or do you falsely accuse him of not protecting you from the consequences even of your own choices. David's confident request stems from knowing who God is. Never once do you see here or anywhere else that David feels that God owed him something. In our culture today, everyone seems feel that they're entitled. There's an entitlement culture today. They feel that God owes them something. They feel that the government owes them something. They feel that their parents owe them something. They feel that the church owes them something. (laughs) When it comes to God, please listen to me. He owes us nothing. And we owe Him everything. People with that entitlement mentality never accomplish anything great, never accomplish anything worthwhile. And David said, hear my cry, O Lord, for what? For what You owe me? For what I've done for You? No, 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 no. Hear my cry for Your mercy. When David penned those great words inspired by the Holy Spirit, obviously, He was sensing that God has been silent. Have you ever experienced the silence of God? You may be experiencing the silence of God right now. But he has a purpose for that. And David is appealing to the Lord to break his silence and answer his prayer. And David is saying to the Lord, Lord, I am as good as dead. If your mercy does not break your silence. And so David says he holds his hands toward the holy place. That is a symbol of the presence of God. He's lifting up his hands to the Lord. This is a sign or a symbol of passionate expression to implore God. When Moses did this on the mountain, Joshua won the battle. When Jacob wrestled with God... God heard his cry. When Jesus sweated blood in the Garden of Gethsemane, the resurrection took place on the third day. Secondly, he calmly reasoned with God. Look at verses 3, 4, and 5. Listen to me. If there is a successful propaganda from every side, from education, from the media, from if there is a successful propaganda that invaded the minds of this generation— It is this, that we must never judge anybody about anything. Right? Don't judge. Even the people of Manchester, England, after the horrific, the vile act of terrorism at a concert in Manchester, England, the next day in schools, the teachers said to the student, don't judge the terrorists. Instead, sit down and write them a letter. And this propaganda across the globe, it's not just in America, this whole media campaign about not judging anyone about anything, no matter how vile it may be, beloved, this is Satan's way of rationalizing and justifying all sorts of evil. I personally think that he's preparing the world for the Antichrist. (laughs) Now, if you cannot see the devil's authorship of this propaganda, I honestly don't know what to tell you. (laughs) While the Bible, from cover to cover, encourages us to call evil evil, sin sin, whether it is committed by somebody else or is in our own lives. You see, if we don't know how to judge sin in our lives, then we have no right to judge anybody else. Himirat, please, because the beauty about David's calm reasoning with the Lord, is that he does not reason based on his self-righteousness, but rather based on the character of God. David already approached God by confessing his own sinfulness, but he does more than that. Look at it with me. He does not begin his prayer or his song by asking God to judge the wicked. No, he doesn't begin there. He begins by asking God to keep him from being dragged into the wicked's evil schemes. John Wesley said something that I often quote, but for the grace of God, there go I. But for the grace of God, there go I. David is aware of his own propensity to sin. David is aware of his own propensity to behave like the wicked people do. And that is why he begins by confession that apart from the life-giving, sustaining power of God's Word, apart from the life-giving, sustaining power of the Spirit of God, apart from the life-giving, sustaining mercy of God, he could have been swept away with the wicked. And he would have been among the ranks. Don't miss what I'm going to tell you. When David was praying for justice, he was not praying just as an individual who believed in his Lord in the Old Testament. He is a man who walked with God. You read his Psalms and you see this. But he was not praying as an individual. There's a difference between you and I pray as individuals and the leader of a country praying. He's praying here as the king of Israel. He's praying here as the governor. You see, it's one thing even for the a head of a state or a head of a country to pray if he's a believer and he would pray and he would for even forgive the sinners. And it's a whole different ballgame for him who placed an authority to exercise justice and to punish the wicked, as Romans 13 says. Now, evil must never, never, never prosper regardless of how you feel toward those who commit that evil. And we must pray for their evil plans to be frustrated by God and to be destroyed by God. Sadly, today, many under the guise of compassion, they can uh, have more compassion toward the criminal than the victims. They want to protect the civil rights of the wicked more than those who suffered from their wickedness. Uh, they want to protect uh, the rapists than the rape victims. They care more about the rights of a child abuser than the children. Now, beloved, this is wrong. This is evil, and we must never acquiesce to it. We need to pray that God will keep raising up leaders with a sense of justice and indignation against evil. For that's what God calls them to do, confident requesting, calmly reasoning, cause for rejoicing. All of us, whenever we get into trouble, whenever we get into a fix, we pray. We cry to the Lord, right? We ask others to cry to the Lord, and I pray on my behalf. Great. Keep doing it. Don't stop. But here's the thing that I have seen through the years. When God answers that prayer, most often a person becomes exuberant, he becomes uh, thrilled and delighted, and, and they're really full of thanksgiving to God. That's always the case, in the beginning. That exuberance in thanksgiving and gratitude to God, with time, it begins to fade away. right? Every time God's gracious act of answering that prayer comes to memory, to mind, a person says, oh, yeah, 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 yeah Lord, I, I'm sorry. I thank you. I thank you for answering my prayers. That was many months or many years ago. And then as the pressures of life, more challenges, more difficulties we face, that gratitude begins to wane. And then occasionally, when the thought comes, it oh yes, Lord, I, I thank you for what you've done back yonder. <laughs> and then, long time, long time after that prayer was answered, and you're facing a new problem, crushing problem, instead of going to the Lord and saying, you did this for me one day, you're going to do it again, thank you, Lord. No, we go back and say, Lord, I know you did this back yonder, but what have you done for me lately? In Luke chapter 17, we read about 10 lepers, 10, all healed, all 10 of them. Only one, a foreign, a Samaritan, he was foreigner to the covenant, that is not part of the covenant of Israel, only one comes back and says, thank you, Lord. And then the Lord saves him, says, so not healed his body, but saved him soul eternally, which is a blessing of gratitude. Literally, you can feel the emotions on the part of the Lord Jesus when He said, where are the other nine? Were they not ten? Why is only this Samaritan comes back and says, thank you? Probably they felt that the world owed them something. But not David. Not David. David actually began to praise God and thank God before he could see any evidence of answers to his prayer. And he began to praise God, began to thank God. Look at verse 7. David said, my heart trusted. That's a past tense. I am helped. That's present tense. I will praise. That's a future tense. Based on his experience and knowledge of God, what he saw, how God protected him from the lions and the bear, how God gave him power over Goliath, based on his history and testimony experience with God, based on that knowledge of the character of God, David's supplication turned into seeing God acting, which turned into a song and singing to the Lord. Beloved, I know most of you know this, but we don't live our Christian life in a vacuum, we really don't. We are here today as a result of where we were yesterday. We will be where we'll be tomorrow based on where we are today. Not only did David begin to praise God before seeing evidence of answer prayer, but David was interceding for others. This is really important. People who only pray for themselves when they are in a fix or they are in trouble and they need God to help them, only pray for themselves or even their f- just close family members, only their needs, only their focus, only the, and they never pray for other people. They miss out on an incredible blessing. It is a blessing that before God, I cannot verbally put it in words. You have to experience it. Here I speak of what I know. What I experienced. Now, this is not to undermine the authority of the scripture. This is to testify to the truthfulness of the Word of God. Praying for others, interceding on behalf of others, upholding the needs of others before the Lord. This has special blessings that you cannot put in words. Praying for God's work praying for God's people, praying for the things that are dear and near to the heart of God, (laughs) this blessing is something you cannot truly tell another person about because you experience it. You have to personally experience it. And so David concludes this prayer, this song, by interceding for others. Save your people and bless your inheritance. Be their shepherd and carry them forever.
0: You're listening to Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Learn more about Leading the Way and the ways you can connect and participate in the worldwide ministry impact when you visit ltw.org.
1: If my people who are called by my name will humble
0: themselves and pray and seek my face
1: and turn from their wicked ways... Then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land.
0: Visit us online at awakeaustralia2020.com.au. Join Dr. Michael Yusuf and thousands more in praying for this nation and work. God is at work. Now is not the time to give up, but time to lean into prayer for God to move. Learn more about Awake Australia and ways you can participate when you click over to ltw.org, ltw.org. And ministry representatives can guide you when you call 1-300-133-589. That's 1-300-133-589. That's it for today. And as we close out, allow me to invite any of you who have questions about the Christian faith to begin a conversation with one of our pastoral team members. Fill out a short form at ltw.org slash Jesus.